What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It is This is Ethos Grizz. We're cutting off sports, Ethos Grizz. Just because I feel like that's entirely too long. I don't know. We'll work on it. We'll get better. Uh, we're coming to you. It's not really a post game. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about the Raptors game, a little bit about the Hawks game. But honestly, you guys know what the majority of this podcast is about to be. Huge scare last night. Uh, John Morant goes down after playing eight minutes. John Collins stepped on one foot. It looked like maybe an ankle at first. And then, you know, it turns out it's a knee and some funky wording in the, in the post game from Taylor Jenkins. And, and I actually didn't get to listen to that last night. I was driving home after the game. Isaac hit it up for us. So we'll, we'll get his thoughts on that. And, and I may have some thoughts after he tells me what Jenkins says, but do you have anything really big on either of these games that you want to talk about? I know I, I done a post game after that Raptors game. And, and my biggest thing was against Nick nurse and that Toronto Raptors team, you got to play 48 minutes and the Grizzlies did not do that. That was just the bottom line of that game. They didn't have it for a full 48 and the Raptors ended up winning. Did you see anything differently? Yeah, it was definitely a, a tale of two halves and, and, and honestly very similar to the game last year. I think if I remember correctly, the Grizz got to a big lead. I think 21 points maybe in the first quarter, breathing into the second. And after halftime, uh, Nick Nurse, I think, ended up getting thrown out of that game, got a couple technicals, and Toronto just went on this run and ended up winning the game by double digits. And it's kind of what we saw uh, in, in this game this year. I mean, the Grizz led 71-59 at the half, um, and in the second half, they were outscored 67-42, to 42, and Toronto just goes on to win 126-113. Just too much Gary Trent, too much Fred Van Bleek, man. I don't know what it is, Gary Gary Trent and Fred Van Bleek, man. Certified Grizz killers. It seems like every time they – and the Grizzlies just haven't had a lot of luck against Toronto. I mean, all those guys seem to go off. I mean, Kyle Lowry, when he was there, every time they played against the Grizz, they would just go nuts, and we saw that again, man. Uh, just couldn't get a hand on Van Bleek. We kind of – me and David talked about this for the game about thinking was was they gonna have John Van Bleed or were they gonna have uh, Dylan Brooks and, and, and throw Melton at him? And we saw a lot of uh, John Morant on him in the first half, and he was able to get comfortable, get off, and that continued throughout the game. Gary Trent again got hot, and just too much in the second half. The Grizz go on to lose that one, and as David said, you have to play 48 minutes against that team, man. Really well coached. I, I think Nick Nurse is one of the best head coaches in the NBA. I don't think there's any any doubt about that. And, uh, just too much offense, man. Grizzlies still struggling on the defensive end, and, and they go on to lose their game. Um, and, and it was, it was. I hated to see that because in the first half, they it felt like they carried something over from that Utah win. Feel like you saw times there in the first half where we probably saw some of the best stretches of basketball they played this year um, mm-hmm. on, on both ends of the floor. And then into that second half, man, just lost it. Uh, just came out flat and. We're never able to get it back. Uh, Toronto got confident, got going downhill, you know, winning by double digits. But, I mean, that's been a tell of the season, man. Defense has been the issue. And then you go over to the Hawks game, and obviously the elephant in the room with that is the the Jai injury. But even before Jai went out, uh, just couldn't get any stops defensively, man. Clint Capella was just a monster throughout that game, man. Just couldn't – they were getting good looks at the rim, but looked like good looks. And then Clint Capella would come in and make a defensive play uh, that, that would shut it down, man. He's just – Look tremendous in that game. And, again, man, defense is what's been a problem for this Grizzlies team. Uh, I mean, even in, a, in that Hawks game, I mean, they were putting points on the board but weren't able to get stops on the other end. And eventually the, you, the Grizzlies aren't a team that's just going to continue to 
to put points on the board, especially if they have to execute out of half court. And even before the jaw injury, again, that, that game looked like it was probably heading toward another loss. I've got something. The Grizzlies started that game. Taylor Jenkins started that game with Ja Morant on Trey Young. On what planet is that a good idea? How do you think Ja Morant is going to hold up guarding one of the better offensive guards in the league? You know, Trey Young goes off for 31, and the, the crazy thing is he had five free throws, so not many free throws for him, but hyper-efficient from the field, 12 for 16 from the field, because he was getting wherever he wanted. We had Ja Morant guarding him, and obviously Ja went out early, so not all of that falls on Ja, but you've got a guy – and Dylan Brooks, that's more than capable. And, you know, Dylan has proven that he can hang with and, and make some of the best players in the league earn it. You know, you're never truly going to shut those guys down, but you can make them earn every you bucket. Make them work. And, and 12 for 16, it was just – the game was too easy, man. Trey Young was getting to his spots, knocking down mid-range shots, and when – Steven Adams would step up too far. Capella would just roll to the basket, easy dunk. Just easy. I know, man. like, Capella put his armpits in the rim like five times at least because there was nobody close enough to him to contest it. And it was just just bad defense. And, and that's I, – I don't get the mindset behind – and obviously, you know, John Moran is your star. If he's like, hey, I, I want to guard Trey – Maybe that's what happened, and that's why we saw John Morant leading off guard and Trey Young. The one one thing I do want to say about John is I've noticed this of late. He he's trying on the defensive end. It's not like yeah. he's just going out there like some guys just don't play defense. Don't even don't even basically don't even give a damn. Just don't even try. He tries, man. Guys just get by him. I mean, he's just yeah. he's just not a that's not something that he's I guess done over his basketball playing career. It's just. He's just not a good defensive player. Uh, he, he puts in effort. I, I see times where he tries to, to beat guys up, and they just he, – he's so slight of frame, he, he doesn't get around screens when guys screams him out. He, he's just out of the play. Guys go yeah. straight to the basket, and that's what you see. And, and again, I, I agree with you, man. You just – you can't have John Trey Young. I mean, that's just not going to work. I understand, like you said, he's your star player, and he might – see. He, I, I can see him say, man, I want Trey Young, man. This is a guy that I'm compared to all the time. Uh, we're, we're young guys in the league, and I want to go out there and prove to play against them. But when you got a guy like Dylan Brooks and even a, a D. Anthony Melton who returned to the lineup uh, for, for that game, I mean, you can't have John out there on Trey Young, man. I mean, he's, he's going to burn you. And you mm -hmm. saw it earlier before John went out. He was just able to get anywhere he wanted to on the floor, and that allows him to not only create offense for himself, but to create offense for others. It was just way too easy for the Hawks in that game. Like I said, two-man game, him and Capella, man, just some great passes. From Trey Young, I mean, he was just at the rim, just scoring at will. Um, and, and Stephen Adams just wasn't doing a good job of uh, of protecting the paint, which we've seen all year. I mean, that's not something that he's known for. But again, man, it, you it has to be it has to be you have to give him more resistance than that. And it was just basically a layup line, dunk line for the Hawks. They were just able to get every, whatever they wanted. We've seen that too much this season. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. That is so. I'm I'm fine admitting that I was wrong on thinking that this defense was going to be better with Steven Adams because that's clearly not been the case. Yeah, no, we were that was we were and, both on that train. You know, I, I've kind of 
at, at one point I wasn't really ready to concede it for the year. And I know like we're, we're 20 games into the season. We're barely like we're, we're a fourth of the way into the season, 19 games. I'm sorry. But man, I, I can't tell you, like, I can't put a finger on it with him. I can't say, you know, this, this is why, or this is what's going on, but he has just not been effective. And, you know, for, for those of you that are listening to the show, you know, that are from New Zealand, we appreciate the, the listeners. We, we are glad that you all are tuning in and we hate to beat up on your guy because I can promise you there's not anybody on the planet that wanted this trade to be good and wanted Steven Adams to come back, you know, come to Memphis and completely turn it around and not look like anything like like what he did in New Orleans last year. You know, he he looked bad in New Orleans last year. He wasn't Steven Adams. And maybe all of the wear and tear of, you know, beating and banging all of those years has gotten to him and that, you know, this is a new new Steven Adams. But I, I don't know. He's not shown me anything this year to convince me that he's going to be able to turn this around. No, I, I don't think so either. And I've, I've kind of been feeling like this for, for a while now. I know it's early, like you said, we're only 19 games in, but I just kind of see the way it's heading, and I, I just don't see it getting any better. Um, and I was with you. I mean, I talked about when they made this trade. We all knew that Stephen Adams was going to come in and beat JV offensively. But why I kind of felt like this would be a good thing possibly is because you have Jaron coming back. His 15 points a game helps makes up for some of that offense, uh, you think, from, from Valentunas. And you thought that Steve Adams would be a slight upgrade, especially in the pick and roll, which he has not been. But you thought he would be coming in, and you would think, well, that means this could be – and he thought he would give you something scoring-wise as well. He was a little bit earlier in the season, but now he's kind of regressed in that area. He's not even scoring anymore, missing a lot of shots at the rim. Man, I, it's crazy how many shots at his size that he misses at the rim, just bunnies. I mean, he'll get the ball missed, get the offensive rebound, and miss again, easy tip-ins. And you were used to JV making those shots, mm-hmm. and he just hasn't been able to do it. But you think he would be a bit of an upgrade over JV defensively, and, and kind of what I laid out about Jaron when he brings on the offense and defensive end, you think it would be at worst a lateral move, if not a, a better move, uh, because JV. I mean, you think Stephen Adams is a better fit next to Jaron in his development, but it just has not worked out that way. I, I don't know why, what it is. It, it seems like that should be the case, but. At this point, I think I've definitely seen enough of a sample size to think that it's just not going to be the case. And we've talked about this on here before. I, I think it's time, man. If it's me, I, I make the move outside of going up against huge some of the huge centers in the league. I'm starting Jaron at the five and Brandon Clark at the four. I think that when your team is struggling defensively, I think that gives you – puts you you get you two guys at, at the floor that gives you some protection, rim protection, guys that can, can block shots, and especially with – John now being out for possibly a significant amount of time. I think you need to feature Jaron, whether it works or not, man. You got to, and we saw that early in that uh, game against Toronto. I think some of the best inside play we've seen for Jaron, there's one play where he sealed his man off, was calling for the basketball. I was like, yes, man, this is what I've been asking for all season, man. Look really mm-hmm. good, end up getting in foul trouble, um, and didn't play much in the second half, which I don't understand. I don't think he only had like three fouls. And <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I didn't get that. That 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 is that's that's that what I'm saying. Let him foul me. Yeah, I mean you can't take the fouls off, with man. you. Yeah, you can't take the fouls with you, man. Why is this yeah. guy not playing? He's supposed to be your second second guy, uh, second in line, and man, he's sitting on the bench with three fouls. Like I don't 
I don't get it. You can't take the fouls with you. Let the guy foul out. I mean, let and him try to play you know, duties. Uh, Jenkins go didn't. Ahead. He didn't say specifically, and, and I apologize. I keep talking over you, man. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're but, good. You know, he he wouldn't credit it specifically to the moment that Jaron picked up that foul and sat down. But, you know, if you look at this game and the flow of that, you know, like the flow of that Raptors game, when Jaron gets that foul and goes to that, the yeah, bench. It's kind of where that, it went down that, here. That's when it fell apart, man. You, you cannot – and. You can't lose games like that. They they could have won this game. Just let him play. Let them go out. You know, he has got to learn how to play with fouls. Yeah, you got to let him play through him it. out of the game, and you set him out, and he only – I don't even remember. What did he play? Do you have it pulled up? What did he play in that? Um, let's see. I pulled it up here. I, I know it was a, a pretty big drop in minutes for him. I can get back to it here. But yeah, you know, like, here, uh, just put him back in there. He's 20, right? 25 minutes. He played 25 yeah. minutes. You know, and, and so. Jaron is, you know, he, he's been playing closer to 30 minutes a night. Put him back out there. Yeah, that this is a winnable yeah, I, game. Yeah, I didn't get that. Man, stomped. You're in the lead until he goes out and they get crazy hot. And that's what you know, Achua uh, had an incredible third quarter you know he got hot and i think he ended up yeah, he made the game with hit seven. threes and yeah man, I was like, he had made two threes all year and he made three in the game against memphis you know hey what welcome home with you he, yeah he i was like man i was like why would you do that when you were we're here in memphis man? but yeah he's <laughs> yeah. out there shooting threes look comfortable man like you said that only had hit two coming in man and mm-hmm. just kind of took over in that, in that third quarter you look at that analytics and again we've talked about this they have guys that look at this stuff this is their job they're professionals that Stats, statisticians that look at this stuff and we see it we know how important Jaron is to the team and what they do when he's on the floor versus what they do when he's off of it and you, you just set a guy because he has three fouls like I, I just don't get it into the game with four I mean let, mm-hmm. let the guy let the guy foul out like I, I don't get it man he has to learn a guy that has problems playing with fouls the only way he's going to get better is you got to let him play through him and yeah. you sit him on the bench is definitely not going to fit the issue so I, I didn't understand that one at all I can't remember if Anybody asked him about it after the game, but he didn't, like you said, he didn't really attribute the loss to that. But anybody watching this game and again kind of knows the impact that Jaron has on his team and watching how what happened after he left left the game, and you can point it. That's not the only reason why they lost, but I do think that was a big factor in this game. And we've seen that earlier. I think it was the game, the game at Portland earlier in the season where he got in foul trouble. They were doing well, kind of connected with him, going back and forth. Jaron gets in foul trouble, it takes him out, man. And Portland ends up going on like gets up by 20 next thing you know they're up 20 and that's just how important he is to this team so I, I think that's something that he has to improve on but again I, I'm not one of those fire Jenkins guys I mean I think he's a young coach he's learning along with these guys but that's definitely some an area where he can improve yeah if Jaron if he leaves him in and Jaron fouls out in 25 minutes so be it so be it you know like I'm I'm I would rather go down with him fouling out in 25 minutes than him just sit on the bench while the lead that you have dwindles away and you end up getting buried to where you can't come back. And that's, you know, you, you can be critical that we, we said it on here before. We'll say it probably a million times after this. There's nobody in this organization that is above criticism whether you know whether it's the players the coaching staff the front office the owner whatever there's nobody above criticism so you know if you want to critique Jenkins and be upset with his rotations 
it's it's completely understandable because there's times that I'm like, what's he doing? When the hell's going through his mind right now? But I I don't think that he's a bad coach, and that that's something, you know, you you don't. Uh, Desmond Bain the, the other night, um, he talked about he's never had a coach like Jenkins that's had this much faith in his guys. Yeah, and I think that goes a long way with the players when when he's like, hey, you know you know what to do out there, go and do it. And, you know, they get to a certain comfort level. And, and I'm watching – when I was, at, I was at this Hawks game, and once Ja went out, you know, I like my mind kind of went to worst-case scenario. Yeah. <laughs> but I started watching this offense without Ja and watching what they were doing, watching some of the design plays that they ran for Desmond Bain and stuff like that. And you can just see a different level from him this year than what he had last year. The level of confidence that, you know, instead of the, you know, this year, they're doing it with Zaire. He's the corner three-point specialist. And then I think, you know, we see some of these, you know, the dribble handoffs, the, you know, you've got the ball in your hand, go make the play. I think we'll see more of those plays for Zaire as he matures in the game. But you got to remember, he is just essentially straight out of high school. You know, he, he didn't play much for Stanford, and so you're not going to see much from him. But the, the things that we're seeing, the growth, and, and I got sidetracked talking about Zaire there, but the growth from Bain from year one to year two, that's because of Jenkins and the staff. Yes, Bain goes in the gym, and he puts in the work, and he does that. But this staff has instilled confidence in him, and they're like, hey, we, we're not going to, you know, pull you out of the game because you make one mistake. Go out there and play your game and that's huge when you have the you know as young as this team is second youngest team in the nba he is letting these guys play and it's rough right now it's, it's tough to watch at times this hawks game is i had a, a buddy and his son with me but this is the first game that i got up and left early in the fourth quarter i think ever at, at a game at the forum yeah, I mean, it, it was it was rough. It, it was rough to watch, uh, and and we've had a lot of these this season. And again, I mean, they they've said that they're gonna go with production uh, and, and and development for guys, and I think that's kind of what you see at times. And it's gonna be rough. I mean, it's the same idea of why they're playing Zaire Williams versus playing playing some other guys. They're gonna let him develop through playing. And I I'm the guy that's kind of lean towards kind of maximizing what you have. But with that situation, I'm 100% pro playing him. I think that's the right decision. I mean, you take a guy with the 10th pick, let him play. Uh, I mean, you're not winning a championship this year anyway. Uh, so, I mean, I think this will pay off in the long run. And to go back to your point on Bain, I said it at the time, but I, I think this started, I mean, it actually started last season, but I think Summer League is really, I think, what how they allowed him to kind of take ownership of that team. He was the guy. Uh, for that some of these squad. And I said that that would pay off going to the season. I think it really has. I think that really helped his confidence. I mean, he talked about it during summer league um, and some of the post-game media stuff about wanting to be more of a guy that created, not being just a spot-up shooter, wait for guys to, to pass him the ball to get him a good look. He wanted to be able to, to create, and he was able to do a lot of that. They had him on the ball um, in, in summer league, and I think that really helped him. And you've seen that carryover. You've seen carryover from that. It's now, I mean, he's doing things wasn't doing last year. I mean, taking it to the basket, uh, creating, just doing, doing all kind of stuff, high basketball IQ stuff instead of just 
setting out shooting three-pointers. I mean, he's become a complete basketball player. And as you said, a lot of that has to do with this coaching staff. I think he has a tremendous work ethic and motor anyway, but I think this coaching staff is really giving him the keys that instills that confidence that, that, that help push him along. And I think it's really paying off. Uh, so I, I definitely agree with you on all points there. How many times have we seen him, you know, guys are closing out on him too aggressively and he just smokes them, just take, you know, puts yeah. it on the floor and gets to the basket. And one of the things that, that Adams is doing offensively for the Grizzlies is making great passes. There's been a number of times that Adams has been in the high post and hit Bain. I can't tell you how many reverse layups Bain's made this year off of passes from Adams. But, you know, I, I'm glad to see it because you got to hit on your draft picks as a small market team. The Grizzlies, since climbing has taken over, they've done a really good job with that. Home um, run on that one, man. Yeah. So, um, you know, n- not much else. You know, th- this the the garbage time. I I did not watch it. I wasn't listening to it. I was driving home whenever Aldama and and Culver and Tilly and all those guys ran. Yeah, in in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, I was gonna say I honestly didn't watch much of it either because I was doing double coverage. I, I covered the Tigers for rivals as well, so I was over there doing some stuff with that as well. So yeah, I mean it was so out of hand, man. It's just such bad basketball. But I heard, I heard the guys, some guys came in and played really well. Okunchar ended up leading the team with, with 17 points. Uh, so those guys came in in garbage time. A lot of a lot of extended garbage time this season. That's not exactly what you want to see, but I guess when it happens, it's good for development uh, for for some of the young guys to to get that playing time. But I think the biggest, biggest thing is, is the jaw injury. Um, and I think everyone in Memphis and anyone who follows and, 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 and lo- loves the Grizzlies kind of collectively held their breath. I mean, it, Colin steps on his foot and he kind of walks to the sideline and just kind of hobbles uh, on their knee and he hobbled off the floor and they'll land down on the floor, end up having to be helped to the, to the back. And I mean, I think at that point, I think most people, kind of checked out on what was going on with the game and was concerned about the jaw injury. And it, it's, it's tough uh, to, I mean, you get guys back, you get Dylan back in the mix, you get the Anthony Melton back for that game and you have your, your star player go down, man. It's just tough. And it, it was scary because anytime you have those kind of non-contact injuries, because I mean, Colin stepped on his foot, but it didn't really look like that was the cause of it. Like I, it was a weird deal because usually when that happens, you think it's an angle ankle but mm-hmm. you could see immediately that it was his knee that swerved because he, when he went down to the ground he was definitely holding his knee and again they say knee strain but we don't know how severe it is and you know how the grizzlies handle injuries i mean i don't know we probably won't ever get any real substance on what's really going on i mean they'll just say he's week to week or whatever after the game uh taylor jenkins i didn't really like to comment uh the kind of the way that he said it he said that john will return this season but they have no time label, the timetable on it. And that will return this season. I just, that doesn't sound good to me. And, and we talked about this before we came on. Jai's always kind of been the guy that supersedes kind of their cautiousness in a way that they handle injuries. We saw the ankle injury last year, and he, he came back, I think, in a couple of weeks. That had been anybody else on the team. They probably would have been out a couple of months with kind of how cautious they are. But I think Jai's one of those guys. I don't think they're going to hold him back. But I think this might be different. I think you're – Star player, you're dealing with a knee. He's a guy that's extremely athletic, explosive, and, and you want to make sure this is right. Uh, so I got a feeling this is not going to be one of those ones that they rush him back however long it was. So that's a month or three months or two months, however long it is. 
I think they're going to take their time with this one. I don't think we're going to see him rush back here in, in two weeks and he's going to be back now. Could be wrong. I mean, like I said, I mean, I know the work ethic that he has. They talked about how he attacked that rehab uh, on an ankle last year, but he was at practice today, but he was on crutches and with a, with a knee brace today. So this could be something that, that could keep him out for a while, man. We'll, we'll see, man. We'll, what were your thoughts on it? You were at the game. What were your thoughts on it when, when it first happened? So, you know, my seats are on the visiting end of the floor uh, behind the backboard. And, you know, I, I saw it happen. When it initially happened, he was hobbling. It looked like that ankle injury from last year. And I'm like, oh, man, it was his ankle. Yeah. And then he got over to the sideline, and he was immediately grabbing that knee. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know, because – in real speed, you can't see John Collins stepping on his foot. And the weird thing is, like, I've watched that replay time and time again, and he stepped on the opposite foot. He didn't step yeah, on the it's foot. Yeah, it's weird, yeah. And it's – while we kind of – you get a sigh of relief of, okay, it's just a knee sprain, but these are preliminary scans – yeah. We won't really know until sometime next week where we're at with this. If it's a, you know, a grade one or grade two knee sprain, you're looking, you know, two to four weeks, kind of what you were talking about. Yeah. But sometimes a knee sprain can require surgery depending on if you had damage to, to, to ligaments and stuff. And, and we're not going to see that. We're not going to see that with these preliminary scans. And obviously that's worst case scenario. And we're hoping and praying that that is not the case for him. But you could be looking at a Jaron situation. Yeah. And if that's they what go to get me. these scans, you know, Ja could be out until, you know, uh, around this time or later next year. And and I, I didn't like the way Jaron sounded either um, in the postgame. Me yeah. available when he talked about it, he was like, man, you just hate to, to see a guy go down like that. And his body language, and him and Ja are really close. So, you know, Ja had spoken to him, I'm sure, about how he's feeling or whatever. Ja, Jaron didn't seem optimistic at all about it and that kind of worried me another thing that kind of worries me is i'm not sure if he had the mri this morning or when he had an mri or they just had preliminary x-rays or whatever last night um he came to the bench back on the bench last night no crutches walked out on his own but this morning uh or this afternoon when they had, when they had practice he was there but he was on crutches and had a knee brace on and that kind of alarms me because last night he didn't so maybe on those preliminary scans they were like oh well this is not as they thought maybe they saw something else this morning uh maybe he actually had an mri like i said the grizzlies are extremely hush us when it comes to these type of things so we don't know what's going on even us in the media we usually don't have any idea what's going on because they're so tight-lipped about it um and kind of weird about it they'll just say oh well he's week to week we'll have an update in a month or in, in two weeks we'll have an update and that's just kind of how they operate with these things but i'm i'm starting to get a feeling that that this might not I, I don't know if it's anything catastrophic. Uh like I said, I, I don't know that, but I, I don't I don't think this is just gonna be something where he's gonna pop back from in, in a couple of weeks. I think we're gonna be without him for a while. And I and I think if there if if it is anything semi significant with Ja, I think you do want to be extremely cautious with it because this is your franchise guy. I mean you don't want to rush him back because again, being the type of player that he is, using his athleticism the way he jumps his explosiveness, you want him to be 100%. And you don't want this to be something that lingers with him and you want to make sure he's right. So, again, man, I think he needs to take the requisite time, whatever that is, to to, to be out. 
And I mean, me and David kind of joked uh, through DM other night, like if he is out for any significant time, man, I'm starting to start to look at draft prospects. I know it's extremely early to even make those thoughts, man, but it, it's in the back of my mind uh, because even with Ja, they, they've struggled. I, I mean, this, especially now, if he's going to miss significant time, it's no guarantee that this team is going to make the playoffs. I mean, even if he comes back this season with the way they were playing with him and now being without him, man, they're going to struggle. I don't think there's really any doubt about that. So I don't think there's anything wrong with kind of keeping an eye on that, man. And just a, a couple couple names there. Two guys that are on my list right now is Jay Nod. Oh, Nodden. man. No, I ain't gonna, nope, nope. Can't no, do it, Got to do it, man. Got to do it, man. Oh. <laughs> got to do it, man. I'm just going to throw them out here, man. Just just in the back of your mind, man. It's not not saying <laughs> it's going to be the case. They got three first-round picks, so maybe even if they make the playoffs, they can move up in the draft. So two names that I like, man, Jay Nairi and Patrick Baldwin Jr., those are two guys. That, that I love. I mean, I know it's extremely early. We don't know what's going to happen with that, man. But just to be in the back of your mind, man, takeaton.com is, is up and ready to go. But, oh, man, uh, hopefully hopefully that's that's uh, not the case, man. I know it's extremely early, and hopefully Doc gets back. But I'm, I'm a little bit worried, man. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, I don't even want to, like, you know how much I love dra- draft coverage. And, you know, I, I said <laughs> you that. You know, man, kinda, I, I love it, man. <laughs> kind of jokingly. But I – I really do not want that to be the case. Like I, I, I hope not. Just so we're clear, just everybody that's listening, I want you all to know that you know we we kind of, you know, it's not a not a joke about the injury. That, no, that not is at not all. Like no. that's not what we would never ever ever do that. And that's I saw um, somebody and made a comment about karma. Yeah, and, I saw that bird. Talking about Zion. Yeah, like this is – the one thing that – like I I didn't want to really get into that a whole lot, but the one thing that made me happy is another Pelicans fan checked that dude. And that was – Yeah, you like to see that, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, if I see a Grizzlies fan on some stupid stuff like that, I'm going to call them out on it too because, like, I'm not about that. But – we were kind of being realistic about it without John ja Moran. If he misses an extended amount of time. Yeah, man. Just, this, just being this real team. This team is a lottery team and that's, there's a lot of talent on this team, but the problem, what they don't have is a primary playmaker. Tyus Jones, good backup. And in certain lineups, he can go and start and, and be effective but he is not the type of point guard that is going to help lead this team to the playoffs. So without John Morant, your expectations for this team drop dramatically. Completely changed, yeah. And and that's really where this, you know, us discussing that, that's where that comes from. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, this is not me joking about the injury or anything at all. It's just, it's if he's out a significant amount of time, I mean, that start, starts to become your reality. Uh, I mean, we saw this team be able to stay afloat last year when, when he went out with the ankle injury for a couple of weeks, Kyle Anderson playing out of his mind. But if you just kind of look at the way this team was playing this season, even with Ja, I mean, it's going to be going to be tough uh, because I mean, they, they're hanging their hat on when games where they're winning or games where they could really put points on the board. And I mean, you have a guy that's averaging 25 points a game without that guy, you're not going to be able to replace that production offensively. And if he's out a significant amount of time, I mean, it's just, being real. I mean, and I, I'm an, and I'm a draft guy anyway, so I love love talking drafts. So even without that, I'm still looking at these guys, evaluating these guys because I watch 
a lot of college basketball, uh, working for rivals and covering the Tigers. So those are just two guys that I love. And Jay Nairi has been a guy that a lot of Grizzlies fans have perked up as the son of former Grizzlies assistant Niall Ivey, now the head coach of uh, Notre Dame women's basketball. Um, I mean, he – and one reason I think why a lot of Grizz fans like him is because of the comparison to the job. I mean, if you watch him, just kind of look, looks like him, the whole style, the swag, the way he plays, really reminds you of John. John is a big fan of his as well. He, post, he tweeted – uh, about him the other day, he just kind of said pro, like that he's going to be, he'd be mm-hmm. a pro. So Josh watching him as well. And him as a guy that I really love, again, I hate to even be mentioning that on here, but I'm just with the reality of the situation. If he misses specific amount of time, even if it's like a month, month and a half, two months, it, it's going to be tough. I think for this team to kind of stay in, in that top 10, uh, I think it's just going to be, be a, a tough road. And again, man, they have three first round picks right now, even at Lakers pick, man, Lakers are not, looking good. I mean, you think at some point they're going to get it together, but I mean, they're having games where you're getting almost 30 apiece from LeBron AD and they're still losing basketball games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you look at a situation where they could have two picks very early in this draft and your Utah pick, you think it's going to be in the bottom of the first round unless something goes on with them. They have some, some significant injuries, something like that. But again, even if they do make the playoffs, I mean, they have ammunition to move up in this draft and there's a guy they like. So, yeah, man, that's just kind of where I'm coming from with it. But hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully this is a three-week, four-week thing for John. He's able to get back. But, again, if he's not, man, I think it's going to be be tough. And I don't want to be doom and gloom right now, man. This is just reality. Yeah, and you, you look at you, – you mentioned Kyle Anderson and the way that he played when Ja was out last year. Kyle's struggling. He's on the struggle yeah, bus so far He's not that guy he that he was not, last year. And, and, obviously, you don't expect the level of production – that you saw from Anderson last year because he was in a starting role with Jaron out injured. So I, I don't expect him to go out and look like he did last year. But in this Hawks game, he was 0 for 8 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3. He had one three-pointer where he practically dropped the ball. He yeah. It up. I don't know what happened, but that shoulder thing keeps coming yeah. to mind, man. It, it's like, is he really having issues with that shoulder again? And- and I've, talk, I've talked about that. I was going to say, I've talked about that on here. And, again, I, and I don't think anybody – it kind of stood out to anybody else. Nobody said anything about it. But at media day, when he made that comment, it stuck with me that he said, well, the shoulder injury is kind of something that I might have to be dealing with all the time. It's just a, a pain tolerance, basically maintenance issue. And he didn't say anything like that that I heard last year. He didn't even mention the shoulder last year. So the fact that he kind of volunteered that, no one had asked him about it, that kind of made me think man, maybe that shoulder has become an issue for him over the summer. And he's just kind of foreshadowing what might happen because that was ugly. Like that play, he tried to shoot the basketball, like lost it, had to recatch it and, and caught it again. He made that shot, didn't he? I think he made, I think he actually made it. No, but it no, was, he didn't. He oh, didn't did he make not? a single shot at all. Last oh, night. okay. I thought he made that three. No, nope. uh, but yeah, he, he dropped the ball and kind of shot it again. That did not look good at all. I, I'm really thinking that shoulder, has been an issue. I mean, that, that situation kind of goes back to San Antonio. Uh, he was having issues back when he was playing for the Spurs with, with that shoulder. And I think he had fully recovered from it last year. You kind of saw that hitch go away, but it, it's back completely and now even worse uh, this season. And I, I just think that's an, it's an issue for him. And I just don't think he's going to be – He's again, he, with Jared back, he's definitely not going to be that player. But, again, he's just not shooting the basketball well right now. And we saw last year where he had – really improved in the area, and I, I think it has a lot to do with that shoulder. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't be surprising at all. 
man, I, I don't really have much else to talk about. You know, we, we talked on the injury. We gave you as much information as we have right now as they update. Obviously, you know, what we'll talk about on the show. If we get a big update, uh, uh, a good prognosis or bad, whatever the case may be, we will talk about it. We may just launch a special show to jump into that. That's a, a short, quick hitter or whatever. But, you know, we, right now it's all, all all prayers up for John Moran and that knee. And sure. Then, you know, that it is more of the short term rather than the long term. And, you know, we want him to be healthy. Like Isaac said, his, his athleticism, the stuff that he does, this is not something – an ankle is one thing, man, uh, but but knees can be long term. Yeah, so, and and you do not want it to be a lingering thing to see it, you know, be a, a debilitating injury because that would be, man, that that would be a massive massive hit on what's shaping up to be a fantastic career. So, you know, I, yeah, I, I yeah, don't... And, and, and I was gonna say even even short term for him, you, you hate to see it because I mean he was having, I, I think one hundred percent he was gonna be an all star. Um, oh, and yeah, man. Not not saying all, that all NBA, can't be the case I, now if he came back in a couple of weeks, but if he yeah. does, if he isn't able to get back, that you hate to see that. But I think he's going to have plenty of opportunities in the future. But you just kind of hate to see it. I mean, he was having all NBA type season, all star for sure. I think, and you just kind of hate to see that derail. So again, I hope he's able to come back. But uh, again, with him at his size, I mean, you want him to have. He has to have that explosiveness and that athleticism. And uh, like you said, an ankle is one thing, but a knee is something completely different so you need that to be 100 and don't want that to be something lingers but especially man a guy that young this early in his career man you don't want to be having a guy that's having serious knee issues so that's not something that you want want to see going forward man so get get that knee right job definitely prayers up i think all all of memphis is is behind him and they want to see him back sooner rather than later but however long it takes man you got to get that knee 100 no doubt so i i do I want to talk about one more thing and then we can get out of here and and we can make this kind of shorter. We can, we can make it take a little bit, however you want to handle it. Who do you expect to see step up in this time? We know, like I say, absolute 100% best case scenario. It's two weeks, I would say. So for the next two weeks, who do you expect to be though? If it's more than one, that's fine. But you know, is there one specific guy that you think is going to step up for this team offensively? I think it needs to be Jared. I don't know if that will be the case, but man, if, if he's going to be your number two guy, I mean, this is the opportunity. And again, we kind of saw some of that early on in that, in that, in the uh, Toronto game. I mean, you saw him calling for the ball in the post. He was aggressive going in, in the paint, not just hunting three pointers. And that's what you want to see from him. And I think, especially now with Jai out, I think you're going to need to see more of that. So I think it needs to be Jaron, and I'm really hoping it's Jaron. I think uh, Desmond Bain, obviously, is a guy who we've seen at another level this year. So his scoring is definitely going to be important. He's shown the ability to really put points on the board. And Dylan Brooks, clearly, I mean, he's had some good games, but he's clearly not been himself. I don't think he's figured out his role with him. With now having Jaron back out there and, what Ja was doing and Ja being another level, I still don't think he's 100% comfortable in where he is right now uh, with the team. I think he's still working his way back in. But I think those three guys are the guys that you kind of need to step up. But I think Jared needs to be the head of the snake. I mean, if he's going to be your second guy and you, he's going to be – you paid him like he's your second guy, I think this is the time that he really needs to step up. And 
hopefully start seeing that tomorrow night. Uh, they take on the Sacramento Kings. Schedule does not stop because of John Morant injured, man. They still got to go out there, play the games. And and you got you look at the injury report for Sacramento. Uh, Rashawn Holmes is out uh, with an illness. Harris, Harrison Barnes is doubtful with a foot injury. And Mo Harkless is questionable with a knee injury. So they might get some breaks there uh, with, with three of their better players out. But, I mean, I think they just need a win right now and something to feel good about. Uh, because, I mean, you're looking at a 0-3 homestand. That's just not what you want. Uh, so it would be nice to see Jaron come out and, and have a big game tomorrow night. I, I think Jaron is the guy that you want. I think Bain is going to do what he's going to do, and hopefully Dylan keeps working his way back in. But answering that question is definitely definitely Jaron Jackson Jr. I think you want to see him step up and, and be the leader of this team right now. Yeah. I think you really saw the guys rally last year when Ja went down, and I feel like that's going to be the case again this year. Um, and, you know, for me, I, I think the guy Desmond Bain before Dylan Brooks came out, he was playing at a really high level, you know, getting to his spots, knocking down shots, whether it was threes or mid range. And I, you know, I, I suspect that Jaron's going to be taking some more shots, but more than anything, I want to see them executing half court offense because you're not going to have that guy. You know, you've got Tyus Jones, it's a, a serviceable creator but not at john ja, john ja morant's level obviously so but they got i think they got, they got to make threes like i mean they, they've yeah. had these games where they really struggle to hit shots i think they're going to have to make threes because they got to find some way to try to make up those points i mean that's a lot of a lot of points to make up so if they're not knocking down shots i think it's going to be extremely hard so again that's guys like bane uh guys like uh, dylan brooks i mean you got to have those guys making shots and i think they will and jared again I would like to see more of that inside-outside game that we saw in the first half because, I mean, that's when he's at his best. When he's just out there hunting threes, I mean, I, I think he's so much more effective when you can get both um, because, I mean, he's, you hate to see him being one-dimensional because we've seen what he can do inside-out. So, uh, he, again, man, I'm just pulling for him, man. I'm, hopefully he has a nice stretch. He's taking so much criticism from a lot of the fan base, and I, I'm just pulling for him. I mean, they, they paid him, and, and I want him to go out there and have the confidence. Because I think one thing for him, I think he has it. You've seen it over the last, the last few games. I think he has it more now. I think he was really struggling with his confidence early in the season. Now this is an opportunity for him to go out there and show, hey, man, I can, I, I'm going to be the second guy and I can lead this team. My buddy Ja is out, but I'm going to go out here and, and lead this team and, and do what I need to do. And I'm hopefully, hopefully that, that's what we see uh, starting tomorrow night. But there's something that I do want to get into really quickly uh, before we get out of here. And there's been a lot of talk uh, since the Grizzlies have been struggling about the, the moves they made this offseason. Uh, moving Jones Valanciunas, of course, to, to New Orleans and bringing in Stephen Adams and moving uh, Grayson Allen to the Milwaukee Bucks. Those guys have both been playing extremely well. Jonas Valanciunas, I'm, I'm not sure if he still was, is, was leading the NBA in three-point shooting. And Grayson Allen having tremendous, uh, putting in great minutes for, for Milwaukee. Uh, and a lot of fans have really been upset about those moves. And I think you have to put it in perspective and you have to, you're not looking at the situation correctly. Cause I mean, it could be true both ways. If the Grizzlies had Jones Valanciunas and Grayson Allen right now, would there be a better basketball team? The answer to that question is yes, they would be a, a better basketball team, but it can also be true that it was still the right thing for the front office to do to move those guys. And that's where, where I am on it. Because if you keep Jones Valanciunas and, and Grayson Allen, I think for, for this season, you'd be, I think more solidified as you're going to be in that playoffs here was your middle 
playoff tier or guaranteed kind of a play-in team. Without those guys, and if, and if we, we have a sitting in a situation now where Ja's out, so we don't know what's going to happen. But if Ja Moran is there, I think all season you have relative health. I think this team, even as constructed, would probably be at minimum in the play-in. I think they still make the play-in. So when you have JV and Grayson Allen on your team, I think it solidifies you as a playoff team, but a lower-tier playoff team. And that's not the goal of this front office. And when they make – another reason why they move those guys is because with JV, you want to see Jaron Jackson Jr. develop, and it was just not a good fit next to Jaron. You thought Steven Adams would be a better fit. And with Grayson, you wanted more opportunities for Desmond Bain and DeAnthony Melton to, to develop. So you move both of those guys. And if you re-sign JV, which they weren't going to do at the end of the season – You'd be cash strapped and put in a situation where you're a playoff team, but it lowers your ceiling. Like you're not going to be able to build a roster that's a championship level team with JV on the books for big money. So, I mean, they moved those guys. And again, they took a step back. Zach Kleiman said at the end of the media postgame, uh, end of last season, media availability, that the road to a rebuild is not always linear. And he was foreshadowing that. We might take a step back this summer. We might move some of the guys, JV, Grayson Allen, that will play a major minutes for this team. And we could be maybe a slightly less as good as we were last year. We might not be quite as good as we were last year. We might take a slight step back, but it's gonna help us take a step, step, multiple steps forward in the future. And that's what you're seeing right now. So a lot of fans like are worried about what's going on this season. And that's not what those moves were done for. Again, it might not look good right now, but they're collecting assets, and when they're able to get that third max guy, I think you're going to be pretty happy. And you look back on the situation, that's not something they would have been able to do if they had re-signed JV. So I think this whole conversation, it's getting stale at this point. If you've listened to the show, Isaac and I have talked about this uh, quite a bit. And as if you're still wanting – sorry, let me back up. I want to, I'm, I'm going to say this. It is completely 150% okay for you to say that you miss JV and you feel like this would be a better team with him on it right now. Yeah, because I, I because love JV. You, like, I, you, I was you like a correct. big time fan. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I like him too. You know, you, you're, you are correct in that assessment that this team would be better right now with JV on it. Hands down, no question, this team would be better with JV on it right now. But I have to ask you if that's if you're hung up, if you're struggling with this, if you're just like it's in your mind and you can't get past it, what is your goal for this team? What do you yeah. want to see them do? If if you if you're if you're okay with them being a six to eight seed for mm-hmm. the next three or four years, of course, resign JV. Don't worry about doing anything. If you just want to make the playoffs and you're happy with being in the playoffs most of the time, possibly being a first round exit. But that's probably what you're looking at. Then fine, like resign yeah. Grayson Allen, bring back JV, roll with what what you got. But that's not what this front office is trying to do. They've yeah. said time and time again that their goal is to build a championship team here, and they weren't going to do that with those guys on the books. And you're also not maximizing the guys that are going to be here. Like you want to maximize Jaron, and you want to maximize find out what you have in Desmond Bain and D. Anthony Melton and Kid. They be guys that are part of this core going forward. And you couldn't do that with those guys. I mean, you had to kind of save Jenkins from himself last year. I mean, you people, and it's crazy that I've seen some of the same people that were complaining about Grayson Allen playing last year now complain that he's not here anymore. 
I'm yeah. like, I'm not going to throw out any names, but some of those same people that were complaining about, even about JV, about he's just not getting it done. He's not the guy. Now some of these people are like upset because they're not here anymore. And it's, I mean, you just got to understand, man, if, if you're okay with this being a mediocre playoff team, then that would have made a lot of sense. But these moves weren't about this season and how good they were this season. It's how good they're going to be three years from now. And that's what we're looking at. And that's why they made those moves. And I think a lot of fans, I understand you wanted instant gratification. I'm even a guy that kind of leans towards maximizing what you have, but I understand what they're trying to do and what they're trying to build. And those were the right moves. Even if this team ends up at the top of the lottery this year, that's those were the right moves. And in hindsight, I would still do them 10 times out of 10. I mean, it, it makes sense long-term for what they're trying to build. Yeah. I, I had this conversation with, with a group of my friends and I asked them and it, it doesn't like it, it doesn't apply necessarily because we, we all root for basically the same basketball team. We all, we all like the Grizzlies, but we, we were talking just in general, would you want your sports team to be a playoff team for a full decade, never miss the playoffs, but they're a first round exit every year. Or would you rather them win one championship in a 10 year span? And the answer should be, with, with zero hesitation, should be like, any hesitation. Yeah, th there should be no hesitation at all. The championship teams make the playoffs all the time. That there, there are eight teams from the East, eight teams from the West every single year. Sixteen out of thirty teams, slightly over fifty percent of the league, they're making the play. Are what thirty-two? It's exactly fifty percent, right? Yeah. I don't, yeah. Yeah. Fifty percent of the league makes the playoffs every single year. That's a common thing. Winning a championship is rare. And so you know, like some of these storied franchises that have seventeen, or you know, like the the Bulls when they had that crazy run with Jordan and and the Warriors, you know, and the, and their their dynasty with Steph and Steph and them are playing crazy good right now. Like that stuff doesn't happen all the time. It is extremely hard to put together a team that does that over an extended period and kudos to those teams that are able to do that. But a championship is tough to get to. So these moves that, you know, moving JV, moving Grayson Allen in the short term, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt like hell to sit back and watch Grayson Allen. And, and if you look now, since the bucks are getting healthy, Grayson Allen has fallen off and it's not like he's gone invisible but he's back to being the Grayson Allen that was here. You know, 10 points a game, 10, 12, 15 and, points. You know, he may and, break out. But and I was going to say, he had, he, yeah, he had times like that when he was here when he was mm -hmm. awesome, and there were times where he really struggled, couldn't make a shot. And that's he's, – because he's a role player. That's, and you can't get hung up on role players. I mean, I like I like Grayson Allen. I lo loved JV. I mean, those are two of my favorite guys on the team by the, by the end of last season. But, again, you can't get hung up on, on role players. I always try to – try to tell people that I know you people fall in love with their guys on their team, but those guys are going to rotate in and out, especially when you're a team that's still built. I mean, this is not anywhere near a finished product. And that's why I'm so surprised that people are so upset about this because I mean, what do you, what is your goal? Is your goal to lose the Utah in five games in the first round? I mean, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know why you're not thinking bigger than that. Like I, again, like I like these guys too. And even now, we, we'll see what happens with this jaw injury. But I, I think this is a team that can make it to the, to the first round of playoffs now. It's constructed. So 
if you can do something to help you long term, which these moves, that's why they were done. It's for they would help for help with development. And they also help with future flexibility. I mean, you you got to make those moves, and they were never going to resign JB. The contract that he got with the Pelicans, he was never getting that here in Memphis. Contract that Grayson Allen got with the Bucks, he was never getting that here. Uh, so I mean, that's kind of how you have to look at it. get get something in return before you let them walk. One hundred percent good asset management by the front office, and we'll wrap it up, man. That that's what it is. We're we're completely fine. We're not here. We're not beating you over the head. Say forget about them. No, they were both good players while they were here. But short term, this season was yeah, it, it, it's rough. It's tough, you know, especially watching these Grizzlies, watching the Grizzlies struggle. It's tough to see it, but it's it's not about you. Have to try to look beyond this year and look in, into the future. Maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. You know, we don't know. But you what give it we a do shot, know though. is the ceiling with with JV was essentially what the Grizzlies were last year. They could have maybe maybe they get to the second round if yeah you know, from they, the internal development a, with John yeah. getting better and Jerry He's coming back up. and him being the guy they might get to the second round but that's your ceiling and then you got JV who's a little bit older than the core guys on his team and he's only going to get older it's not like he's mm-hmm. going to get any younger I mean it, it was the right move again we all love JV and he's looking fantastic with the Pelicans but what are the Pelicans doing not like he's carrying them anywhere right now I mean it's just, I mean, they were the right moves. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I I, I get being upset with the way the team's playing. You saw them make the playoffs last year. You want to kind of make that next jump. Uh, but I don't even think, I, even if you had brought those guys back, I don't think they're making another jump. I think you're kind of looking at the same thing you saw last year. Got a team that could get into the playoffs, possibly win a couple games. But I think that was kind of your ceiling this year, even if you had brought those guys back. So it's not like they're taking some big, huge drop-off, like where they're going to be at the top of the lottery, unless this is Jaws out for a significant amount of time. Under normal circumstances, Jaws was healthy and played all year. And this team, I think, would still be a team that's in their play-in, in the playoffs, first-round type of team, even without those guys. So uh, it, it's not like they took a significant step back it, as far as that's concerned. And long-term, again, got to take a shot. And if you brought those guys back and paid them what they've gotten with their respective teams, that was going to kind of handcuff you to, to make some of these moves that are done in the future. And, and that's why they made the moves. I mean, that's, that's it. Yep. So we'll wrap it up. We're knocking on the door of an hour here. We may actually roll a little bit over, but that's all right. Had good conversation. I enjoyed it. You can get us on Twitter. The show is at ethos E T H O S ethos Grizzlies. I am at D will two one, one, one Isaac, let them know where they can find you, man. And get us out of here. Yeah, man. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rivals. I S. AAC underscore rivals, man. We thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, Again, Grizzlies take on the Sacramento Kings. 5 p.m. tomorrow. We'll be back. Possibly we'll post game on Sunday. If not, we'll definitely be back sometime early next week. And until then, we go.